from the team at Waterstones, welcome to What Is, a podcast where we discuss interesting tech. I'm Paul, and today I'm joined by David, who's going to be discussing the topic of autonomous vehicles. So David, why don't you start by telling me a little bit about what we should consider to be autonomous vehicles? Yeah, so I think the idea of an autonomous vehicle at the moment, everyone thinks about driverless cars. You get in your car and it just takes you somewhere. And this isn't actually completely accurate. It's certainly a type of autonomous vehicle, but there are a lot of different levels of autonomy that that we can look at and that um, are part of sort of the evolution from completely manual cars to completely automatic cars. So when did this autonomy begin? So there are five uh, recognized levels of autonomy in vehicles and uh, level one started in the 90s. Things like cruise control, uh, automatic lighting, automatic windscreen wipers, all things like that um, where one aspect of functionality is uh, is controlled automatically. That's that's level one autonomy. And, and yeah, we're, we're looking as far back as the 90s for that. Yeah, I think I saw earlier that that was Mercedes-Benz, uh, the first one to have claimed um, that level of autonomy. The, with radar, cruise radar control. cruise control, yeah. yeah. Um, so... From there, it gets a little bit more complicated. So what would what would bring you on to, to level two then? So uh, level two looks at having multiple aspects controlled by the same system. Um, this is where you might see things like in um, partially automated uh, long-range shipping. You'd see things like uh, lane control as well as cruise control. Um, you know, a large truck that's going to be driving on hours on end is going to make the driver's life a lot easier if the truck as well as maintaining its speed and its distance from other vehicles can also maintain slight changes in in the in direction in the lanes or it, it knows when to overtake automatically so it's both controlling speed and direction or steering i suppose in a vehicle at the same time yeah and because those are two sort of different systems uh, but controlled by the same system uh, that that would be level two autonomy yeah so is that as far as we got today or there are a few examples of level three autonomy but not very many this is the kind of thing you see in the news where uh, google is testing its driverless car they're, they're actually talking about level three autonomy where a human driver is present for safety critical functionality uh, but the car can generally take care of itself it will it will navigate on its own it will drive on its own it'll adjust speed and direction it'll indicate things like that but there needs to be a driver present in case something goes wrong. It's not. It's not perfect. Yeah. So, if if that's where we are, there must have been quite a lot of uh, advancements in technology over all of that time. Like I'm, I'm assuming we're not still doing cruise control the same way that we did in the nineties. No, and um, a lot of the advancements in controller are to do with the way that these systems work with each other rather than the systems themselves. I mean, the cruise control has changed a little bit, certainly, but it, it's certainly the the major advancements are, are more in terms of, of how the cruise, the cruise control communicates with other systems and communicates with the driver. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's essentially the same thing that we'd see in the jump from level two to level three is that instead of just having two systems controlled by the car, you know, in the, in the same, for the same purpose, you have every system controlled by the car for the same purpose. And the driver is only needed for edge cases where the car doesn't really know what to do or it's in a new situation. Yes. So 
we're really talking about sort of bringing lots of different systems together um, and looking at it as, I suppose, one cohesive um, set of information to make decisions. Yeah, exactly. I mean, my my car is is a very sort of standard, run of the mill, normal car. And it has lots of systems that are individually automatic. It has cruise control. The it will turn its lights on automatically. It will uh, uh, do the wipers automatically. It's got anti-lock braking. It's got all sorts of things like that. But because none of the systems talk to each other, they're all individual systems. It's still only level one autonomous. Yeah. It's not a. It's not even level two autonomous. Even though so many systems are are being controlled, they don't they don't work together to do anything to do that. Um, so for me, when you talk about autonomy, one of the big words that springs to mind in terms of um, systems is LIDAR. Like that's the one I always hear when you're talking about making vehicles autonomous. Now, I know not everyone uses LIDAR, but I believe it's what most companies are going with. Can you explain a little bit about what LIDAR is? Yeah, so uh, LIDAR is quite similar to radar. It just uses a different type of um wave to 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 find out where things are whereas radar is you know is quite famously it's radio waves that that are bounced off things and you use that to find out how far away things are uh, lidar just uses um a wavelength that's that's much closer to to light it's um it's it, it's kind of like um like laser detection yeah. more than more than um more than radar or, or or things like sonar which are which use sound waves instead so radar, I believe, is for more longer distance. Is that what yeah? Radar uh, has a. This is quite technical, but radar has a much longer wavelength and therefore works better over longer distances. Whereas lidar has a much shorter wavelength in the in the waves it uses, and and is more precise over short distances. Yeah. So when you're following a car closely, um, you, you're talking about staying an order of meters away from it instead of when you'd use radar and, and you're you're looking at maybe an order of kilometers yes um though obviously lidar i think as i said is is used by a lot of companies when looking at this i believe like google are currently lidar based uh, yeah and that side of things um another famous name when you're looking at autonomy is obviously tesla um dave gives me a little smile about that because we always like to talk about tesla and some of the innovations that they look at um but um as far as i'm aware they don't back lidar like they are they are going for a different type of autonomy to uh, can you talk about sort of the differences and why why they would go for something different yeah i I believe um tesla's autonomous vehicles use a mix of ultrasound for uh um distance sensing and uh image recognition um and they'll use the image recognition for things like navigation and uh lane control and and all sorts of things like that and um and that, that is i mean it's a bit different to lidar but it ultimately doesn't it doesn't make too much of a difference as long as um as long as the technologies that allow different cars to talk to each other are are compatible yes and i believe um one of the big reasons why Tesla um, and Elon Musk um, back the computer vision is, I think, his opinion is for cars to be fully autonomous, you need to do what humans do in some senses. Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's that's quite a um, 
that's quite an intuitive way to look at it. Humans don't look at the world by bouncing light <laughs> off it and seeing how far everything is away from us. And um, it may be that there are things that, that we do by um, by looking at, at pictures, by using our eyes, that, that we just wouldn't be able to do from just knowing how far away everything is. Yeah. I mean, things especially like reading signs are, um, are going to be much more difficult for a, a LiDAR using car to, to do than than a uh, a computer vision car um lidar cars could still get away with this um if they're linked into other technologies well enough if they're linked into gps and and um other kinds of navigation technologies like that then they they wouldn't need to to read road signs to navigate yeah but they might still uh trip over when confronted with with uh, roadworks and stuff yeah whereas which, a, a vision car m- might you know see cones and see the roadwork signs or delay signs and be able to read them and, and adjust its route accordingly yeah which i believe tesla sort of combined both that they're using the gps navigation to know where you're going from where you're going to um and using the computer vision to make the on-the-fly adjustments to that route as they'd see, as you say, things like cones. Things like unexpected stop signs, things like that. Other cars as well, of course. Yeah. <laughs> you can't really use GPS to predict that. No. No. So we've looked at level one and level two autonomy, um, starting back in the 90s with Mercedes and the cruise control like we discussed, um, and coming on to modern day where most regular cars have lots of level one autonomy um but still not very much level two what exactly does it take to get to level three autonomy and are we seeing that anywhere in cars today so um level three autonomy requires a car to basically be able to drive completely on its own um the the thing that stops it from being a fully autonomous vehicle is that generally it will still need a human operator to help it out with any difficult decisions or or situations it's not very familiar with or or anything where it sort of doesn't feel like it's got enough information to to know what to do um this might be like like we just talked about where if there are roadworks or something then you know a a level three autonomous car might know how to drive on a a two-lane road absolutely fine but as soon as the road narrows to one lane it has to drive on the wrong side of the road and there are temporary traffic lights it doesn't really know what to do and a human might have to take over and, and guide it through that um we don't really see many level three autonomous vehicles out in the wild they're they're only mostly um test examples at the moment companies like google and amazon i believe are are working with level three autonomous vehicles in in testing but there's certainly none are being sold at the moment it's uh it's one of the more difficult things to um to achieve is is that whereas level two autonomy is quite good at following patterns you know it will look for uh markings on the road to to figure out where the lanes are and it will you know or use its um it will use radar to figure out how far away it is from the car in front and so it will know when it needs to change lane and it knows where the next lane over is but that's a very different story to being able to to drive and make decisions and knowing when it's safe to pull out onto a road and knowing when to uh to slow down for a roundabout coming up and and you know how to how to communicate with other drivers it's um that's a very different it's a, it's a much more complicated um set of behaviors um and that's really the the main difference yeah so when level two was combining two or more together to perform i suppose a single function we're looking at combining two or more definitely more than two to perform 
multiple functions at the same time yeah absolutely if you think about um level two like the example i just gave of changing lanes um that's a that's a function it's a behavior that the car can make and similarly for for getting on to and off of a roundabout the car needs to to wait at the roundabout move out and accelerate when there's a gap and steer left to start following the curve and then start steering right to follow the roundabout and know when to move outwards of its lanes in order to take the correct exit and that's a behavior and it's just one of you know changing lanes and driving around a roundabout is uh, are just a few of many many behaviors that constitute our normal everyday driving and a car would need to be able to do all of these to to really be level three autonomous so if level three is taking you from a to b with support i suppose you can put the support of a human what's level four then so level four means that the car doesn't need human help um it, it would be able to navigate a uh, a set area so say like a, a city or um or maybe just a, a county or a state or something, um, and it'd be able to navigate this area completely autonomously without any without any guidance from a person. You could sit in the back of the car and be fine. Yeah. And uh, level five is is the the last stage of autonomy, and and that means that there isn't really a confined area that the car needs. As long as what you're on is recognizably a road, the car should be fine. Yeah. So why does level four help then like why do why have we determined level four so uh level four reflects a um a much larger trend of servitization um you might you might be familiar more familiar with this than you think if you think about things like um uber or uh airbnb or um you know uh thing you know services like that where instead of buying something or or having your own car or house or or uh, anything like that you just pay someone else who owns this and it's another private owner usually to to use their service yeah and this is this is something we're seeing a lot more of in uh especially you know even in cases like um amazon where uh you don't have to go to shops anymore to to buy things you just look at an app and you can choose what you want from the app and it gets delivered to you. This is this is all servitization and driverless cars are probably going to reflect a, a, this trend in the way that within a given city it doesn't really it wouldn't really make sense to have your own driverless car. There would just be some driverless cars that would reflect the amount of traffic estimated in that city and you would use an app or something to say I need to go from where I am now to my office so over on the other side of town and a car would come and get you and it would take you to your office and it wouldn't you wouldn't need to drive that car and it also wouldn't have to be your car for that reason so why would we only do that on a city level like is that um i think just uh there wouldn't be as much demand to to have it um go to other cities or across to different states or, or be able to function in any city compared to the amount of additional training that would be required to make sure that it's capable of, of doing that that edge case um if you think about the way that an autonomous car might learn its surroundings it would be still quite an undertaking but certainly you know not um unachievable to train a car on every street in a given city you could do that in a distributed way especially where um you've had a load of level three autonomous vehicles on the road already 
and through the data that they've all gathered through the human intervention they've needed are able to navigate that city completely fine um it would take a lot more um time and um and possibly some very deliberate training to make sure a car is able to drive anywhere uh because where level the way that level four works is that it is familiar with every possible situation to a degree that it's comfortable driving in anywhere in that city whereas the way that level five works is is that it's familiar with the concept of driving which is completely different (laughs) basically i suppose the difference would be level four whilst it is replacing the human it's doing it within a very particular set of restrictions which is only inside that city because it it knows everything about that city something the human couldn't really do level five it's got the challenge of actually where you're replacing a human entirely anywhere which means that you have to behave a lot more like the human i imagine in yeah being able to make decisions on the fly uh, i think of it as uh, level four is is where the car is replicating human behavior whereas level five is replicating human insight it's it's a completely different story it's like you could uh you could train a robot for example you could build a robot that would play football really really well um but if you took a footballer and a football playing robot and asked them to play baseball one of them would do a lot better than the other the the robot hasn't actually learned anything about hand-eye coordination or about uh teamwork or anything it's just learned how to play football specifically and i think this situation is quite similar yeah i think that's a a good analogy actually and i think um shows one of the interesting things about autonomy um which i think if you were to take the when we are looking at autonomy there's always that that grand fear of like oh we are building an ai that might eventually take over the world and i think being talking about autonomous vehicles and that kind of thing is a really good example that actually we are limiting this to vehicles a lot of the time it's not like this same or AI same autonomy is going to be applicable and used in other environments. No, your driverless car isn't going to be able to uh, to to you know schedule a project for you. It, it's uh, that's a completely different task, and that's that's the 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 big difference between level four and level five is that driving around San Francisco is very different to driving around London, and um, and if you can train a car that is agnostic as to whether it's in San Francisco or London or Milan or the back roads of of uh you know the somewhere in in vietnam then then that's a, a much greater achievement than than just being able to to teach the car what london looks like and uh and i think we're in the same we're in the same uh we're in the same boat for automation in in general there's a reason that some jobs are a lot easier to to automate than others um and it's that they require they they're more revolved around performing specific behavior rather than using specific intuition or or insight yeah so if we whilst we're talking about um sort of stage four and stage five i know it's like it's getting very technical now isn't it when we're referring to stage four and stage five and and the numbers um but essentially it's a really good summarization of what the autonomy is doing um but when we talked about things like lidar and computer vision um how's that going to change to help achieve those those next stages because um as you said i think the first cruise control was radar based and then we switched to lidar because it's more accurate so things are going to change as we go forward at the moment what's 
what's the current thinking on on how that's going to change and what new technology is going to help us out in this area? So um, the main things that we're looking at are improvements in um, computer vision technologies. Um, as at the moment, it's quite easy to recognize lanes on a road when they're when the markings are painted in in specific and very standardized ways um, but it's less easy to to stay on your side of the road on a country road that doesn't have lanes painted on it um, it's going to be you know it, it, you're going to have a similar story on 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 dirt roads if you want your autonomous vehicle to be able to follow a dirt road it needs to be able to recognize that that is actually a road and um, the way that we do that's not going to be so obvious um, computer vision changes will help improvements to to gps will help Another thing that's that's really going to help autonomous vehicles as a whole, and especially in more populated areas, is uh, technolo- connectivity technologies. Things like 5G, things like Internet of Things technologies. Um, this is where we start to look at something that's, that's sort of a, akin to um, the swarm intelligence, where instead of just looking at its surroundings, your car will also be able to talk to other cars and use what they think about their surroundings to, to make decisions. So would that mean effectively when I'm driving around in my autonomous car? I suppose I wouldn't be driving around in my autonomous car. Why's my autonomous being car driving around yeah. in your autonomous car? Um, so whilst I'm being driven by my autonomous car, my autonomous car is actually effectively seeing what's round the corner ahead of me, something I physically could not see myself. Yeah, um, in a way, that's that sort of that is what it's doing. The, the 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 car that is around the corner from your car is telling your car exactly what's around the corner and so your car gets just as much visibility of that as, as this other car and not just around the corner from you but also behind you and um you know four streets away and it would wouldn't just be getting information from from other cars it might also be getting information from traffic lights telling you i'm about to turn red so there's no point in you going faster you know to or, or there's no point in you maintaining your speed and then braking in three seconds it's i'm going to turn red when you get halfway to the traffic light so you might as well start slowing down now so you're telling me that my autonomous car could mean i never have to stop at a traffic light again potentially that you never have to stop at a traffic light but certainly that you'd never have to brake sharply again it's uh things like that it'd also be able to adaptively react to um to traffic conditions that uh, in, instead of or rather it wouldn't need to react to traffic conditions at the moment um we use navigation services like google maps and ways and stuff that can tell you uh, actually this route is is very busy because it's peak times but if you go on a different route that would normally be a, a few minutes longer it's actually a few minutes shorter because there's much less traffic on that route you're stage four and stage five autonomous vehicles wouldn't really need to adjust their routes because they would they'd be able to manage traffic between them in a way that's decentralized in a way that that stops traffic from being particularly heavy in any given area i mean that is impressive when you think about and i don't think too hard to see how that might actually happen i mean we get that information now as you point out in google maps i mean literally this morning i saw that my commute to work was going to be five minutes longer because there was some traffic on the way so i picked a different route myself um just because i didn't want to be stuck in traffic um like actually having the car receive all of that information but at the same time i suppose the extra level that we're getting is we're doing what human drivers can't and responding earlier and rather than taking a different route just slowing down by five miles per hour just to make sure that the congestion eases and, and that kind of thing the the difference is that your autonomous car isn't going to be 
isn't going to receive a message saying, hold on, too many of us went down this road and now it's busy. Your autonomous car is going to be able to plan its route and and forecast, you know, and, and uh, broadcast, sorry, its, its planned route. And um, every car is going to be able to, to broadcast their planned routes. And, and with the combined computing power of all of them, they're all going to be able to make routes that are optimized and, and helpful to each other that, that don't result in in huge builds up a build up of traffic to begin with it's not just that your car is going to be able to avoid the traffic so there shouldn't really be any traffic that's impressive um and definitely you can see how that would be beneficial um i think it's one of those things that it seems to me like when if you were just to talk about it as what you're getting is it's a long long way away but when you when you talk about it in the terms of well, Waze and Google already given you a lot of this information in their um, maps. It seems a lot closer. So, where yeah. where where do you really think we are in in that? Um, I think it is quite a long way away. I think the barriers are things that people don't expect them to be. So, the technology itself, like we've said, all the individual technologies, almost every feature in your car could could be automatic right now on its own. It's just linking it all up. It's the it's that connectivity. It's that um, standardization of of each um, of each technology being able to to talk to each other and and help each other. And the, the, we're looking at the same thing. This this sort of when I'm talking about um, traffic management in this way that we 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 talk about them the, as, uh, as smart cities and smart traffic and stuff like that. All the technology is there. Things like Waze can can tell you where the most cars are. Things and, and Google does the same. I think it's the same technology actually. Um, the barrier is actually not that we need to be able to figure out all this data. We actually have all the data. The barrier is, is being able to use the data. It's this connectivity technology. It's being able to inform your car automatically from google's technologies about where the traffic is and not just where it is but where it's going to be which we'd know if your car also gave some information back to google ahead of just where it is yeah so we have the technical challenge of doing that i imagine we also have the um the challenge of getting everyone to agree as well because obviously you you and i don't drive the same manufacturer of car um so getting them to speak together and agree how they are going to share this data will be quite a challenge and then thirdly on top of that getting governments and and laws to actually recognize this as being legal yeah um certainly i think the 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 challenges are going to always end up being more political than than technological in with this kind of thing especially with connectivity technology where you're you're right that the the, the challenge in connectivity is is not well, partly it is the technology and, and technologies like um, like 5G will help with this. And um, we'll also see things that massively help like um, decentralized computing power. Um, but a lot of the challenges are going to be standardization of, of, of the way that these technologies communicate. Um, and again, the answer to that might be technological, at least uh, to an extent. Things like 5G ought to help with that. Um, one of their goals is to provide a standard interface for all technology on the just just through using 5g which which might help a bit um and we might also this is one of the one of the times where um a monopoly would be really helpful 
if if there was only one car manufacturer then uh this wouldn't be a problem or if you know every car manufacturer was owned by the same uh parent company this might not be a problem um ultimately i don't think that that's actually a good idea for for various other reasons but um there there will have to be a way that that uh companies eventually agree and it will probably end up being by market share yes i think you're probably right on that to be honest though um there is obviously i suppose the interesting thing at the moment where you see tesla versus i suppose every other car company tesla seems to be going about things a different way making their technology open but other people aren't really picking it up either so um i think there is an interesting challenge ahead there yeah um i think tesla you know and the other companies uh that elon must sort of contributes to um all do things in quite a different way to to most of the the standard companies that they seem to be competing with um certainly tesla has a very very different operating model to to every other car manufacturer and uh and we can say the same thing about spacex and and space companies and and you know and, and the rest um i think that they'll they'll have their own set of challenges but i think that the the way that they're um innovating in these spaces is is really helpful and, and actually probably a lot better than their competitors yeah actually i think as i said that i think actually a lot of tesla's openness is around battery and electricity technology not so much around the automation side of things so that's also probably a reason why it's not really taken up so much so we're coming to the end of the time we've got um but briefly before um we finish um do you want to give a bit of a summary as to where autonomy is going to be impacting or autonomous vehicles i should say going to be impacting industry and what what industries are going to really benefit from this yeah so um obviously we've just been talking about driverless cars most of the time um but plenty of other vehicles will be automated and um and it's probably not going to be very surprising if I say that the distribution and transport industry is going to be heavily affected by autonomous vehicles. Um, I think some of the ways that it will be affected are, are going to be quite surprising, though. Um, I would personally expect to see um, a reduction in the amount of things shipped at once as as we get this sort of predictive technology, like like we were talking about traffic management. I think we're also going to see supply chain management work in the same way. Instead of sending hundreds of thousands of uh, or, or you know hundreds of tons of, of something over over shipping lanes in huge you know bulk amounts we're, we'll see much smaller things being air freighted or 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 driven places because uh, we'll have much better visibility of what the actual supply and demand of these of these chains is like um, other industries because we're talking about the supply chain obviously manufacturing um, will be heavily affected by this digital manufacturing especially where where production of of uh of pretty much everything will be data driven um being able to request small amounts especially of of materials or send small amounts of products is going to be um something that's that requires a much larger fleet from a company and if having a much larger fleet doesn't increase the amount of uh human operating cost that's that's going to be somewhere where a lot of time and money gets saved yeah, I think the the interesting one for me was that idea of the the sh- shipping industry changing and and going to more frequent and smaller um, shipping 
vehicles. Um, I mean, I joked with you before the show that I'd order some trainers and they'd be put on a little dinghy and just <laughs> sent over by itself. But actually, when you think of the scale of shipping, like even at going to, I don't know, five trailers, uh, five lorries worth of of stock being sent over on one ship is it's a huge reduction in the amount yeah that would be tiny compared to compared to how international shipping is currently handled there's a reason that um everything that you buy from china is very very cheap and takes absolutely ages to get here and that's because it's shipped internationally and they have to wait till there's enough of it to send for it to be economical to send it for those prices um part of the reason for that is that these the ships that they send them on are are you know huge to 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 save uh money but also because they need people to to operate those ships and they need people to manage them and people to to load them and unload them and and all sorts of things like that if more of the supply chain is autonomous then these batches can run automatically in the background that if you buy something from china it could be picked up by one autonomous uh vehicle taken to a, an automated shipyard where it's put on an autonomous boat sent over on its own at minimal power because it doesn't have to carry anything other than just the load and the and the technology that moves the load and I'm talking about the motor and um, straight to another automated shipyard where it's put onto another automated van and taken straight to your house and dropped off at your doorstep by an automated drone you know it's it's uh, if all of this process can run in the background and if the energy technology to support it improves at the same rate then um we're definitely going to see a move towards that yes and drones being one autonomous vehicle we barely touched upon today but i think actually probably the one um that is closest to being legal i should say as a thing i think in fact it it technically is legal if you follow certain or pass certain strict tests i also think it represents the least radical change um, we, we're already quite familiar with what drones do and, and automating them isn't going to change very much compared to uh, what automating traffic might do or what automating uh, shipping might do. Um, I think that automating drones is going to be very useful and allow us to do some things more cheaply and um, more effectively or, or at least more often. Um, but I don't think it's going to massively change the way that we use drones. I'm still looking forward to getting my first delivery from amazon via a drone but i think still a fair few years off yet um particularly in the uk um brilliant that was really interesting thanks very much for your your time today david no worries so that's it for today um as usual you can follow us on twitter if you want to find out more um we're at uh what is underscore podcast um you can also go to our website to find out more about Watsons if you want to. That's www.watsons.com. And yes, until next time, that's all for today.